Our first scripture is from the book of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowd heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away, so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. Our second scripture is from the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 13 through 31. Now on the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, Things about Jesus of Nazareth, who is a prophet mighty indeed, and were before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to the death and crucified him. We had hoped that he was one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some of the women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and they did not find his body there. And they came back and told us they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe that all the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that Messiah should suffer these things and enter his glory? Then beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if they were going on. But he urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it's almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he broke the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Rachel. Let us pray. Holy God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of this Sabbath day to slow down and to be still and to rest and be renewed and to be reminded who we are and whose we are. And to that end, O oh Lord, we pray that your spirit will continue to move among us, that your voice will continue to speak into each one of our hearts that word from you we most need to hear. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I have a confession to make. I am a fresh bread fanatic. I love bread that is fresh from the bakery. I've been blessed to have many family members who enjoy baking bread, Irish soda bread, Italian bread, sourdough bread. 
I'm hoping my multi-talented sister might even bake some this year for Thanksgiving. In buying bread at ShopRite, I'm the guy who always checks the expiration date. I slow the flow of traffic in the aisle as I get down on a knee and grab one loaf after another and check for that date. I look at the bottom of the pile if needed to find a loaf that is a little bit fresher. Once or twice over the years, Emily has gone to the grocery store and brought home bread that was clearly not from the bottom of the pile. And the very few times that happened, I couldn't help myself. I said, honey, did you check the expiration date? This bread expires in just a few days. She is a saint. I've always loved fresh bread. Growing up, I adored my mother's parents, the ones on the Italian side of the family. And every time they would come visit us on the train coming out from New York City to New Jersey, they would first stop at Rocco's Bakery on Bleecker Street and buy cannolis and Italian cookies and bread. Bread to share with us, bread that was in many ways a metaphor of the bonds of love and a family that we shared. Now, in all my reading of scripture, I do not recall a single passage where God encourages us to be a fanatic about fresh bread. God never said, thou shalt not eat bread that is one day past the date stamped on the bag it is contained in. But what I have seen and what scripture overflows with are passages where bread is present. I think of the many texts in the Old Testament where the people of God extend hospitality to a stranger and share their food, invite them into their tent for a meal. Proverbs says, if your enemies are hungry, give them bread to eat. And if they are thirsty, give them water to drink. I think of Jesus teaching us in the Lord's Prayer that we are to pray, give us this day our daily bread a statement of trust in God's daily provision. How in the wilderness, Satan tempted Jesus, remember, to turn stone into bread and sending the disciples forth to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, nor bread, nor money, not even an extra tunic a statement on the importance of their relying on the generosity and the faithfulness of God and of those whom they'd be serving. And I think of how bread is used by our Lord as he institutes the sacrament of the Lord's Supper and uses bread as a symbol of his own life, his own body given to us. If BibleGateway.com is correct, there are 312 instances in Scripture where bread is mentioned. And on this second Sunday in our three-week stewardship series, I invite us to zero in on just two of them and prayerfully consider God's call to us as revealed in God's Word to share our bread.
to share it. In order to help care for our neighbors in need, to discover the joy of being open-handed, not closed-fisted, and that in the act of sharing, we might have encounters with God's presence and God's love. Now, in the story of the feeding of the 5,000 in Matthew's gospel, the pivotal moment in the story is Jesus saying to the disciples, you give them something to eat. You feed them. Jesus has been teaching and healing. They are in the wilderness. Night has fallen. Ever pragmatic, the disciples are anxious about where the people will find food to eat. I imagine they are also concerned about their safety and where they'll spend the night in a few hours. They say, Jesus, dismiss the crowd. Send them to the villages so that they can buy food for themselves. And in response, Jesus speaks those pivotal words, words they were likely not expecting, words he also speaks to us. My beloved disciples, you give them something to eat. You feed them. They say we did not know how long this trip into the wilderness would be. We were hoping we'd be back home by now. We didn't bring much with us, no cash, no provisions. We have nothing but five loaves and two fish. They see scarcity. Jesus sees abundance. They are concerned about where their next meal will come from. Jesus is concerned about the hunger and well-being of everyone. And from those five loaves and two fish, there is enough for all. And there are 12 basketfuls left over. Amidst the disciples' doubt and the encroaching darkness of the night in that wilderness moment, it is a miracle. It is an experience of God's promise to be faithful in abundantly providing for us and a reminder of God's call upon our lives to abundantly and generously help provide for the needs of others. That's bread story number one. The second bread story I invite us to zoom in on for just a moment is that post-resurrection encounter with Jesus in Luke's The Emmaus Road story. It's later in the day on Easter. It's still Easter. Two disciples are journeying the seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. With awe and wonder, they are reflecting with each other on all that has happened, on what it all means. And Jesus unexpectedly comes near to them and starts to journey alongside them. But they do not recognize him. We don't know why. It's another mystery of our faith. The text simply says their eyes were kept from recognizing him. The disciples tell him about Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, how he was condemned and crucified and of the empty tomb and the appearance of angels to the women who went to that tomb. And they arrive at Emmaus, and Jesus is about to depart from them and continue walking. The disciples view him as a stranger in need, in need of companionship, in need of safety, in need of bread. And so they extend hospitality and kindness. They choose to share whatever modest provisions of food and drink they have packed and they are carrying. And he stays with them. 
and they share a meal. And in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the bread, they recognize him. And so, friends, we celebrate today, one week before Consecration Sunday, that God calls us to share our bread. Not to hoard it, not to build bigger barns to store it, not to hide it away somewhere out of fear that it will be lost or stolen. God calls us to share it in order to help meet the needs of our neighbors who are struggling, to discover the joy of being open-handed, not closed-fisted with all that God has given us, and that in the act of sharing, we will have encounters with God's presence and God's love, encounters with our Lord himself. A pledge is an estimate of your giving for the coming year. A pledge which funds everything we do as a faith community. It pays the salaries of our gifted staff. It provides for our programs. It allows us to be faithful stewards of our historic campus. And it allows us to feed so many people who are hungry, whether spiritually or physically. Making a pledge and giving it is a spiritual practice as much as any other spiritual practice is. It's your response to God for the abundant blessings from God in your life. It is a statement of faith. It is a statement of thanksgiving. And I am profoundly grateful for the ways that you give with love with sacrifice, with joy, as a sign of your abiding commitment to the ministry of Jesus Christ here in this place. How grateful I am that here at BRPC, both literally and figuratively, we gather at the table together to be fed and nourished by God's great love. We belong, we have encounters with God, we are nurtured in our faith. And we then go forth from the table into our community and into our world to serve and to love others and to embody God's love for others. We are engaged in some of the most important work that anyone could be doing right now with the challenges, the enormous challenges facing our community and our nation and our world. How grateful I am that we share with others, the bread God gives us. With the multitudes, we meet in the wilderness as night is falling. With a stranger, we meet on the side of the road with one another and with those whom we have not yet even met. During bombing raids of World War II, thousands of children were orphaned and left to starve. The fortunate ones were rescued and placed in a refugee camp where they received food and good care. But many of these children who had lost so much could not sleep at night. They feared waking up to find themselves once again homeless and without food. Nothing seemed to reassure them. 
Finally, someone hit upon the idea of giving each child a piece of bread to hold at bedtime. Holding the bread, these children could finally sleep in peace. All through the night, the bread reminded them, today I ate and I will eat again tomorrow. The gifted author and preacher Barbara Brown Taylor once wrote, take what you have, whatever you have, take it into your hands and hold it lightly, very lightly. Then bless it. Thank God for what you have and make it holy by giving it away for love. Then break it. Sorry, but you have to tear it up to share it. There is no way to keep it all in one nice piece. And finally, give it to whoever is standing in front of you, beside you. Spread it around. And never mind that there does not seem to be enough for everyone. For there is enough. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.